Hello and welcome to the Stoked on Spokes Podcast. 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 Wait, like SOS? Well, it's about fights. Right, gear, races, community, and so much more. This is the Stoked on Spokes Podcast. Let's get rolling. Hello, and welcome to the 34th episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Today, we are joined by father-daughter pair, Craig Diaz, Ellie Diaz. Guys, how are you doing today? Great, great. Doing great. (laughs) Lizzie, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you doing, Alan? Doing great. So if you guys can, for people who don't know you, can you please introduce yourself and uh, say what your bicycle background is? Okay, uh, I can go first. So my name is Eleanor Dias. I'm 19. I used to race a lot of cyclocross growing up. Uh, Lizzie and I raced a lot together. But right now I'm taking a break from racing and I'm a junior studying aerospace engineering at Purdue University. I'm Greg Dias. I am a 48-year-old research scientist, but uh, I've been I've been racing. I've been riding and racing bikes for a boy uh, like 12 years now. But I, you know, mainly just mountain biking. But uh, you know, the past few years I've been heavily into bike packing, and I've raced cyclocross for about a decade, and just you know, just very fun. But those are the main things. So, but but I ride everything. All right. So, what are the positives of being a father-daughter cycling riding duo. I want to hear what you have to say first. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there, I think there are a lot, okay? And I don't know, I mean, gosh, I don't know what Ellie remembers, but I mean, she, I remember taking her on her first rides and her first mountain bike rides when she was a kid. Getting out there with your kid, you know, doing something, especially when you're starting and they're very tentative and they don't know what they're doing and, and you're just trying to help them along. And, and then it grow into something that you do together over the past few years, having it grow to the point where, you know, that person who who you taught not to be scared of roots or, or how to ride over rocks or how to do a feature is, is then faster on than you on the whole course is like, you know, that's from a mom or dad point of view, that's, that is a fantastic experience. And just, just having that happen slowly and steadily over, over years and stuff. So that to me has been great to the point where, you know, that I, a lot of our father daughter relationship has, has happened on bikes together and doing things and traveling together for racing and going riding together, just enjoying each other's company. So to, you know, just, Last summer uh, or last fall, I went out and saw her in November. Sorry. Yeah, she took the semester to go do an internship and she was in Phoenix last fall semester. So, so yeah, a year ago. So I went out and saw her in November and we drove up to Sedona and neither of us had been to Sedona to ride mountain bikes before. And so we got, you know, a nice long weekend riding the trails in Sedona, which is, you know, if anyone's ever been is just phenomenally beautiful like the just the scenery itself is gorgeous and then you get on the trails and it's all this red dirt and there are trails that take you right up on the rocks and you just ride the hardscape and you can drop in and out of these little valleys and you go up on you go up on the cliff sides and you go down into these little valleys and it's just the whole thing is gorgeous the entire time so getting to share things like that together is I think a lot of what our our you know, riding together and just sort of catching up together on bikes is is like these days. And yet you don't, you know, when your kid graduates from high school and goes off. I mean, you know, you, you miss them a lot. And so, you know, at least I do. So you get to get that chance, you know, it's like we get on a bike together and suddenly 
it's, you know, it, suddenly no time has passed and we're just kind of enjoying each other's company. And that's good. Yeah. I think it's definitely kind of a lot of the same feelings from my side, from my side of exactly what he explained is that him, you know, teaching me how to go over routes and not be scared of features and learning how to mountain bike, which is what I learned first, kind of brought me out of my shell. And I was, I was a shy kid. I used to read like multiple books a day. I've kind of gone back to that with school now, learning how to kind of take technical features and be confident and, you know, grow as like an athlete and, you know, to be strong and do cyclocross where a lot of like, you know, strength right next to other people and taking obstacles you've never seen before and doing steep drops. That made me a more confident person, you know, you know, in the sport and outside of it. And sharing those experiences with my dad kind of defined our relationship. So we traveled across the country together multiple times a year. I missed almost at least one day of every week of school for my senior year of high school, I'm just traveling to go racing. And I think I've been in about 45 Holiday Inn Expresses with, with him. And, gotta be more than that. You know, <laughs> gotta be more. But, but we've been everywhere together. And amazing for us, just the way that we've been able to kind of develop our relationship, not just through know, being close as a family, but through shared experiences. And I think any kind of shared interest kind of builds a relationship with Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, stronger kind of connections than, you know, just living in the same house does. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity. I think, I I think Kelly hit on a good point with like regard to confidence, character building and, and, you know, falling down and getting back up again. I think, you know, when you get into racing like that i think you, confidence like confidence and character come from sort of like achievement and struggle and that you know you working hard at something and succeeding or not succeeding but giving it your best is one thing and the confidence of achieving something especially things you didn't think you could achieve or you know, or doing well in a race you didn't think you could do well in you know that sort of thing i think th- those are great things to get you know to to build for yourself when you're young and to, and to, it kind of gives you that confidence that, and that confidence parlays itself into every other aspect of your life, you know, when you're growing up at that age. Yeah, for sure. So do you guys feel like there was any negatives when it came to racing and traveling together as a father daughter duo? I mean, I did it my whole life with Greg and my dad and I, I'm sure we had some conflict. I don't know if you I'm sure you and Mark never got on each other's nerves or had like little (laughs) silly arguments together. That doesn't happen, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Never. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, never annoy each other. Yeah. Third day of straight racing is never a tense environment in the morning. <laughs> no, but I think every negative is a very temporary negative. Kind of flying home after a rough nationals, I can be a little like disappointed and down, and that can come out like into our relationship. But you know, ultimately, like. He's my dad, you know, we're going to love each other no matter if I, if I crash or not. And I can be disappointed, but I think the like strength and confidence and character building that racing and growing up through a sport provided is so much more of a positive that the negatives are almost negligible. Has your cycling together kind of changed over the years? I mean, like when Ellie was young, Greg, did you carry around like a bike trailer uh i never pulled her around in a bike trailer when she was little like not much not really it went from if if it changed in my opinion in any way it went from like it being more of me sort of shepherding her and and showing her how to do stuff and and then then she would get to this point where she wanted to ride in front 
just because that way, I think because that way she knew I was kind of behind her and she could make the decisions for herself on the trail, but I would be there, you know, giving her a sense of security and stuff. And the way it's changed from that point is that, you know, when we go out and ride now, it's just, you know, we're just father and daughter, but we're really just riding together kind of as equals, try not to drop each other. You know, we, we, we know where each other's weaknesses are and who's, you know, who's, who's fit and who's not at any given point in time. And so, you know, <laughs> so, so we will definitely mess with each other a little, but it's not, you know, but, it's, yeah. uh, but it's all in good fun. I think to a certain point that kind of, it went from something that he was, it was just kind of like a father daughter activity, like him taking me out, getting to spend some time together. And then at a point it became like an, almost a job for me to train and get better and show kind of continuous improvement and do my best and get better technically and push out better power numbers. And it got to a point that, you know, we were very much equals on the bike. And I think that was really fun because to be, you know, 15, 16 year old girl, you know, sh showing up your, your dad is, it's enjoyable. And I appreciate yeah, that. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Lizzie, Lizzie agrees, you know, it's, it's fun, you know. Well, cause you used to be the one crying on the rides, like getting, I used to be the one crying on the rides, getting dropped by my dad and my brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now I'm like, haha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I used to like stand at the, there's this one kind of like downhill corner in like Midwest Evo, uh, their practice area. And I remember like so distinctly, like standing at the top of it, like in tears, just being like, there's no way I'm never going to be able to do it. And now I look at it like, what was I thinking? Like, it's so small. Cause now I'll take drops that are like easily like 10 times that, that distance. But yeah, just things like that and that he would talk me through and then, over time, yeah, we just got to got to both be stronger. And at, when I was at my fittest, kind of, you know, going over to Europe and, and racing over there, I knew that kind of it was those like beginning training rides with him that that definitely built that foundation. But I, I as she was getting into high school, I, you know, we uh, I quickly realized that I'd pretty much I mean, I'm not I'm by no means a great shakes cyclist. I am a cat four land forever kind of really you know, bike racer. So, I mean, early on in high school, I quickly needed, she recognized she needed some help. And so, you know, she got a, her, her initial coach, Kelsey, for the first few years was fantastic and, and really built her up and got her, got her used to what training was like in a really age appropriate way, a way that was really appropriate for who she was as a person. And that really like, just, it was really fantastic to have Kelsey Devereaux as her coach, because she was able to consider like everything she was as the type of you know, student she was academically, the way she really cared about her studies and, and the things that she, she really thought about the things that Ellie felt was important. And that was exactly the kind of person I wanted, you know, as opposed to a coach who's going to, you know, like, like I'm going to turn you into a, you know, a, a, a pro at the age of 16. You know, I just wanted someone that would let, that would build things with her you know, in consideration of what she wanted to do and stuff. And that, that really kind of gave her a good start to the point where, you know, Ellie, you know, later on Ellie was you know, wanting to make her own decisions about where she wanted to go and how, and how she wanted to proceed with, with training and everything. And that was good. All right. So going off, I wrote down disciplines, but really what are your favorite activities kind of over the years? I mean, you've mentioned a little bit of gravel cyclocross. I think Greg's really into bikepacking, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm very into bikepacking lately. It's a, I, uh, I'm really wanting to make a big 
push on that myself. So, I mean, I've, I've gone on a number of bikepacking trips, you know, locally, I've gone down, down to, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, I've gone out to Idaho a number of years, uh, just because it's so convenient to like, uh, what I've done repeatedly is fly into Boise, build my bike and go do a big ride loop for a week. And I've done you know, various loops there just to get out into the wilderness and out into the sawtooths. And that's fantastic. That's just always a great trip. But so I'm looking to try and do some some bigger bikepacking. I'm like I'm looking at uh, doing the Stagecoach 400. I was going to do Smoke and Fire this year, but I had just gone to Idaho with a friend, so so I, I'm actually planning on trying to do uh, Smoke and Fire as well a year from now. That race is about to go off at the beginning of September. I haven't tackled an actual bikepacking race, so I think that would be interesting. So you know, just try and try and go continuously for as long as you can. And I mean, even prior prior to picking up the bike, I had done when you know when I was Ellie's age, I was very into hiking and and mountain you know mountain hiking and uh, going out to you know like Flagstaff area. I'd gone out there and 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 hiked the mountains north of Flagstaff. I'd gone out and done a lot of stuff out because I lived in Southern California in San Diego. Gone gone and done a lot of stuff out in Anza Borrego and the Cuyamacas, the Mojave Desert. And so when I started getting into bikepacking, you know, more recently in the past five years, when I started getting into bikepacking, that sort of felt like a coming home in that respect, and that I could do all of these things, like go go and and go from place to place like I used to do like that, but with the bike, which I love doing and being able to carry a few things on there and, and get so much more mileage than, than you could otherwise get on foot. So I'm interested in, in seeing how like a, a three to 400 mile bike packing race. I mean, it's a race, but it's like gun time and you're just going from, from a start and the clock is always running so it's an interesting form of racing in that it's like racing that just subsumes a couple days of your life. Yeah, we have a, And you have to balance like, do I need rest? Do I need food? Do I need, you know, you need to really take care of yourself while continuing to push forward. And so how do you balance that? So it's an intriguing puzzle, I think. We have a race like that uh, up where I am called the, it's called the Tatters, the tour around the Adirondacks and it's 580 mm. miles 52,000 feet of climbing, I think. And it's, it's a bucket list thing for me, for sure, for hopefully you know a year or two out. I think I, I definitely <laughs> want to do the Tour Divide. I want to t- tackle that that massive beast. But I think it's the kind of thing I want to build for and try and do maybe in a couple of years. I'd give it a shot. So I know Tracy Berman did it. And, I, you know, the, uh, and she was, yeah, that was that's a fantastic achievement on her part. So give it a yeah, shot. On a single speed, yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing it on a single speed. That's no, okay. Yeah, yeah, no way. Yeah, it's not unusual for people to like set up a like two to one or one point eight to one and just do the whole thing on a single speed. There, there's wow. a whole contingent of people who do that. I guess less less mechanical issues to happen in five hundred miles. Simple, yeah. yeah. Precisely. Yeah. That's kind of the thinking. I mean, that derailers what's weighing you down. Alexandra Houchin did one of the best women's times on a single speed in flats in like in like hiking boots. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Ellie, have you ever <laughs> thought about doing any sort of bikepacking like in the future? Does does your dad inspire you to want to do that? I don't know. Maybe not. I, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy like the each part of it, like the, the camping and the biking. Yeah, but I, I like knowing that I've got somewhere to sleep at night. That's, I feel that. that's pretty nice for me. <laughs> yeah. The trip I did this year with a friend, we went from town to town and we stayed in hotels each night. And that, yeah. that is a very fun, you know, credit card touring way to do it. 
but it was still all dirt roads, all just mountain wilderness. We just landed in a town each night, which was cool. That's nice. Yeah, I think every, most of what I've done has been very, very like short form racing. Probably Lizzie's kind of closer to that too. With kind of cyclocross, that's you know most it's almost always forty-five minutes to an hour, and it's just like as hard as you can go the entire time. That's more what my background's in. But I've also done things like Mid South. Uh, I won my age group in that. Yeah, so I think both of those kind of races are fun, but I definitely have more experience in the kind of short max heart rate, via, like very technical rather than the long kind of gravel roads. Mid-South, I think that was one of your last major races because that happened right as the pandemic set in. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Amanda Panda Nauman was there with, with Dave Sheik. It was Mid-South was a terrible day on the bike. Yeah. It was like trench warfare conditions in, in 2019. I think that might have been why I did well is because it was like a cyclocross race except yeah. like 10 hours long. I, I mean, like, tell me if you agree, but I think you were always like kind of a mud monster. Like, like it's the same thing at Creason where you got a really, you know, at Creason Nationals in Louisville where you got a good result because I think, I think if we can make the race really hard and make it a matter of who can just suffer more, I think that's, uh, I think that's where you do well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely enjoyed a muddy race. Besides talking about backpacking gravel how does the other disciplines play into what you like and what you don't my preference has always been kind of a more technical course or more technical race i really like mountain biking and cyclocross because it kind of holds your attention i did do a lot of road racing sort of as i got faster it's something that you should really do to kind of keep power up but i always really enjoyed mountain biking cross more just because there's something to focus on all the time. I think with road racing, you can kind of get caught up in the tactics and focus on that. But sometimes you're just out in the middle of, you know, a long stretch of road with a group of girls and there's not much to do. So I prefer kind of off-road. Well, and I think you really like, you got into where you really liked crits because, yeah. and that's just like the short form, short form of road racing, like cross, right? Where you just go for an hour or less and you, you know, and it's just hammer time a lot of a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, crits, you're going so fast that you really should be focusing the entire time. So but it's the same thing. it creates the same kind of focus only on a road situation, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Like I, I, mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't race a crit on a bed. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, <would laughs> I, mean, I mean, going into like a, a downhill corner, like, you know, probably like 30 with in a group of girls, you know, you you gotta you keep all your, you know, focus about you. There's there's not really any any room to uh, go side to side. Otherwise, you're going to be taking yourself down and other people. And uh, you know, if, if if you're talking about having kids racing and junior racing, I you know, mountain bike and cyclocross. You know, just you know, despite like what you're doing, uh, you know, it's good for parents because typically it's you know your kid's not going to get seriously injured. I know that we worried. Uh, uh, substantially more when Ellie started doing like high speed road racing and crits and stuff and, and are like, okay, but you know, just you know, do, do you know, like you're, you're after, after years of, you know, racing cross and racing and, and racing a lot of mountain bike, you know, you just, at some point you just got to trust those skills that she's learned up over the years and just be like, okay, now, now we're going to put those to good use. I think that road racing is definitely more dangerous. It does teach you kind of things that, Cyclocross doesn't teach you with 
regards to kind of teamwork. Um, I loved racing with the team. That's so much fun, kind of making a plan before the race and then figuring it out as you go along. That's awesome. I also have really enjoyed the just speed that you get to have. Cyclocross is awesome, but you're not going as fast as you are in a crit. So there's there's aspects of road that are, that are really enjoyable, but I think the technical part of cyclocross kind of the whole pre-ride process and learning every aspect of a course. Um, I think Lizzie would agree that it's really rewarding to see how that entire process comes together and how you're able to put it together on, on a race day. Was it two years, three years ago you started getting, I remember we talked about this. You get really passionate into painting your own bike. <laughs> well, uh, during the pandemic, I mean, I was casting around for something to do. Right. And, and I went out and I had an old cross frame, an old, uh, Cannondale Cadex cross frame. And I thought, you know, I, I just completely, you know, I, I went, so, you know, you can't really, you know, parts were running low. Nobody could get anything. I was like, you know what? I'm going to completely rebuild, refurbish this bike, take it all the way down and build it back up. And I just wanted to paint job was crappy. I think the fork on this bike had been recalled. And so I, like, I got a replacement fork from the people, from the bike local, from the local bike shop, Bicycle Garage India, which I bought it. They were kind enough to replace the fork for me. I thought, well, this would be a fun opportunity to just completely re re-enliven the bike so i took it down and i painted it using the spray dot bike paints and if you guys are familiar with those and so they, they make you know these very cool paints that are you know and they come in neat colors they you can do your own design if you look on their website and if you look on their instagram people do a ton of you know really fun innovative creative things with it i'd never done anything like that i'd never painted a bike it was something I was able to do right out of the box and, and have a good time doing. I think Ellie helped tear down the bike, but it was a, it was a long involved process to just kind of, you know, prime it and you know, paint it, finish it, and then rebuild it using, you know, using whatever I could find in the garage in terms of old parts. So it's a, it's a good commuter bike now. I think right now it's down on the trainer. So yeah, I hope, hope it gets a lot of use, but I painted it with little metallic dinosaurs and kind of a, a Jurassic Park, you know, uh, olive green and olive drab green, orange paint scheme with a lot of like brown in it, you know, did, did this brown bar tape. And it looks, it looks sort of like a, a Jurassic Park bike, which is neat. Yeah, because I remember mm -hmm. talking with you before, because I think the year before that, I did my custom paint job. And um, yeah, I you did I, that on a crux, right? Yeah, I did it on a crux and painted yeah. it uh, highlighter yellow, then black and mm -hmm. then pink on top of that mm -hmm. yeah i remember talking to you about it before i think i maybe you were talking about that you've already looked up spray dot bike from there from before or maybe mm -hmm. i directed it to you i don't remember but yeah it turned out great and it definitely is a thought process for sure mm -hmm. of layers and how you want it to turn out and the other cool thing i like about spray dot bike is they have a lot of other things you can kind of mess with like it was like i think they have like a like a glitter enamel or different things to kind of give it different sheens and different looks yeah. and different effects yeah, yeah. I did kind of a sparkle overcoat on it for the finish too. So yeah, so I did it. I used a little bit of that as well. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great set of stuff from Emily Catrick. I, I think she was involved with that, but, or at least in part of the, uh, the marketing of it and stuff. And it's just, no, I, I had a, I had a real fun time doing that. That was a rewarding project. So let's talk a little bit about what, what year was that, that we went over 2019? Yeah. Well, yeah, 2019 to beginning of 2020. Yeah. So talk a bit about your experience there. What do you remember? Um, so I, I went over, um, I didn't go over with uh, USAC. I went with Jeff. 
um, who you know well. Yes, but love Jeff. Probably. Love Jeff. What a guy. <laughs> but yeah, and that was an amazing experience. It was just a kind of a group of us. Um, you probably know kind of Lucas Steerwalt. He was also there. Yeah. yeah so it was, it was a really fun group. We did. I'm forgetting exactly which races and, and when, but we went Did around. you guys race number? Was it number? Or did you guys no. go over after? No. I remember being in the same races with you guys, though, because Riley Mosier is my childhood best friend, and of you course. were over with her. So we were, like, at Luanhao, at Degum, I think. Yeah, you did Degum. Ball. Ball. Yeah. We definitely did ball. ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you do Brussels? The one at the uh I don't the university? So we, we went over a little bit earlier, so I didn't do those races because they did a couple world cups. There's a lot of racing in that block. Yeah. Like you could race yeah. every single day the week of Christmas, which is just mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. Yeah. Brussels was our last one and it was like right in the middle of <laughs> the city. And I like, <laughs> this is so funny, but like, I, it's not funny. It, it wasn't funny in the moment, but it's funny looking back. There's, you know, <laughs> there's like wooden posts that they put in the ground in Europe mm-hmm. instead of using like the plastic stake. Yeah. Um, I like, they're unforgiving. Did, like, I was in like, like third place on the first lap. There's did this drop and like clipped my bars on one of the, one of the posts. And it just like spun me and it's in the middle of the city. So the drop was down this, like kind of just like, you know, when you're like on the side of a highway, you see the plants it's, and it just like, like ditch and then road. It was just like that. And so I crashed into this, wooden post and then it spun me onto the road <laughs> that was right there that we were trying to get on and oh man that was a mess and like it took like one of my gloves off and I just took the other one off and threw it man so, so it was a, it's an experience for sure but I love the racing over there and it's so close with other people and I've never just felt that kind of energy in my whole life the way people there are committed to it and they they care so much about it it's the U.S. scene is is different I wouldn't say it's worse, but the the European scene is definitely more crowded and energetic. Yeah, definitely. Was that your first time to Europe? Yeah, that year, like just in general. Mm-hmm. No, no, I've been to Europe. No, oh, you've Europe been to Europe before. before. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did that a study abroad program time. in high school, but yeah, that was my first time kind of going over there to race. And yeah, I feel like you see Europe very differently when you're going over there for bikes. As yeah. opposed to a study abroad program. Mm-hmm. You definitely see more of the kind of more people, just more of the day-to-day, like this is what life actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were over there for Christmas, which was really special. Um, that was my first Christmas away from home. But we did uh, with with ECA, the Eurocross Academy, we did a Secret Santa and we got each other just like stupid gag gifts i think one of our mechanics was gifted a like princess walkie-talkie set so that they could talk at the race <laughs> um, like a disney princess like really awful walkie-talkie so it wasn't like christmas normally was but uh, it was it was fun to spend it with a group of friends and have that experience lizzie how have your race experiences been in comparison to over that? over in europe yeah just in general over in Europe that was that was my first time ever in Europe I traveled over by myself I was did you travel over by yourself uh a couple of us were on the same flight um so I flew over with I was on the same flight as Lucas so okay that's good well I wasn't and I had a five-hour layover in London 
Oh my God. So it was an experience to say the least, but I made it except for one of my bags didn't make it. So I didn't have that for a week, but the racing was great. I thought I was, I felt very, I mean, I don't know if you felt like you went through culture shock, like again, after your second time being there, but I went through culture shock because like you go to the races and it's just not, it's not the same. You're celebrity there. It's like, they're all coming up to you. You're like, photo card, photo card. And I'm just like, whoa, like it's like overwhelming, but it is really cool. And I think that going over to Europe as Americans makes us more inspired to want to take that same like stoke to the U S crossing. And I think that we're really trying to make that happen, but yeah, it is just untouched the European scene. Those fans are dedicated. Yeah. I remember just like, you know, just like warming up on the trainer before your race, they will, if you don't tape off your tent, they will just like Mm -hmm. walk up to you and they, they walk up to me. No, no, they walked up to me. They'll like pick up your water bottle and be like, "Oh, what's this?" I'm like, "Whoa, like, guys." Yeah. Um, or just I would, I was like getting ready to race, like having my final conversation with our with our son here, and he walked up, and this guy walked up, and he's like, "Can I have a picture?" And they started asking for like photo card, photo card, and I'm like, "I don't have mm-hmm. any." <laughs> they they collect. Like it is a mm-hmm. family thing. They will come up to you with books. They have all the numbers written down yeah. of all the athletes' name, and they will find your number. They will find your name and say, "You want your signature here, even if you don't have a photo card," because they collect. Like if you, I'm sure there's some families that have Matthew Vanderpool's uh, rider cards before he was Matthew Vanderpool. Like yeah. <laughs> it is, it is a thing, and it's kind of intimidating, honestly, and a bit overwhelming. But it's really cool. It feels really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome over there. Okay, so how do we, how do we bring that European atmosphere? Is it possible to bring it back to the U.S. for any kind of recyclocross? I don't know. Like the thing that I feel like I realized going over to Europe is that their environment and their culture surrounding the sport has such deep roots. Like it's very historical. It's very close to their. Like I was saying, it's a family affair over there. So I I feel like. Yes, it's probably possible, but you got to start somewhere. I mean, they they've been racing over there for I don't know when. They like cyclocross is American football in Europe. Yeah. It's just it takes a lot to build up to that and to create like a a culture around it. But it's also hard because the U.S. is so big. It's like you got to have races everywhere, but it's also on end to the other end of the states. I'd say, I'd say cyclocross cyclocross is on par with football in Europe, like in the Low Countries. Like, like, yeah. yeah, like that, you know, but not, not across the entire continent. I, I honestly, I would be kind of a contrarian and say that, um, I, I really don't think it's possible to bring the same sort of energy and vibe that exists in European cross racing to American cross racing. It's not, it's not the same thing. You know, you're dealing with different people, different culture. I think, you know, American cross always is, is always going to have its, it's it's always going to have a, the character that it has and that it's going to be a family sport. It's going to be, you know, people gathering in parks together to race a course. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, cyclocross is inevitably in America, a genre within a genre. You know, it is a, it, you know, cycling itself is not the biggest sport in this country. I, I don't think, you know, I think it can get bigger. I think it can get more popular, but cyclocross will always be a subset of that sport, right? Yeah, um, I would definitely, sorry, I would definitely kind of build off what you're saying and say that for 
the main difference between the scene in Europe and the scene here that you can definitely feel in the energy when you're over there is that almost everybody at a cyclocross race in the US races cyclocross. And in Europe, almost everybody who's there is just watching the race. They're not racing. They might ride bikes on their own on their own time, but they're not there to race. Um, so I think, you know, it's probably not possible in the short term to kind of bring that over because cycling in Europe is such a cultural thing. Their cities are closer together. They have more bike paths. You're actually able to use a bike as your main form of transportation there, which isn't really possible here unless you live somewhere like a college campus. But I think something that could help the U.S. is kind of making, rather than just like having a cyclocross race in a random park, make kind of a community event that has a cyclocross race. So kind of in places like OVCX that are a really good scene, kind of make like a community kind of, it could have like a farmer's market. It could have a, like a, like a concert or something, just kind of build other events that people are already comfortable with and include in those events kind of cyclocross or a crit to kind of connect cycling to the local community. Because right now I feel like it's a very disconnected environment. That I think that, that aspect of, of a lot of the Euro cross races where they like somehow, they somehow put together a cross course that's like in the town. Like, cause you, I watch these races on live stream, right? <laughs> And they're like starting in the city center and like they go out into, and they end up like, you know, you guys have raised them, right? They, you know, they Lizzie, start. you did Degum, right? Yeah. Degum was wild. It was. Yeah. That was. There was two days in Degum. Degum was, Degum was interesting. Yeah. But that's a good example as you're starting in the town. They shut down towns to have cyclocross races and they're yeah. for it. It's yeah. different. Yeah. It, I can't imagine anything like Degum. So finding US. a situation where you could have a night race and shut down the streets for a few hours, that, that <laughs> is pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. All right. So how has your guys' cycling changed over the years as Ellie started college? I mean, obviously you're not together, but are you still riding a good amount? Um, so so I haven't honestly been riding like anywhere close the amount that I used to. To be fair, I used to ride a lot, but my riding now is mostly kind of uh, kind of social and community building. Uh, I'm, I'm not training as much as I used to, but I am uh, kind of a, I'm part of the Purdue Cycling Club in a pretty active role. So I'm the treasurer for the club and I help plan uh, racing. I do all of our club finances. I do a lot of planning and I act as a liaison between kind of the club and the university. So I'm active in the cycling community in that aspect, but I'm not doing, you know, 25 hours of training a week like I used to, but I definitely ride around campus and do rides with the club. And that's been enjoyable to kind of view cycling from a different perspective, um, just kind of having fun rather than training. And um, that's something I kind of switched over to when I started college because um, starting aerospace engineering is a, is a pretty tough program. And I decided that I needed to devote all my energy towards it. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with that decision. Um, and I really have enjoyed kind of acting as a leadership role in the club. And um, this past couple, this past race season, uh, the road season in the spring, I got to go to some races and act as almost like a team mom in some events and pin on people's numbers and make sure. Say, yeah, her, her experience means like when she, when, when the team, when the Purdue cycling club goes to crits or goes to cross races, 
Like she's the one like there telling him, you need to pin your number now. You need to go, you know, like you should go pre-ride now. Like she's like totally like falls right into that role. Like you need to go do this now. Yeah. And I think Lizzie's seen me. I've seen Lizzie at a couple of crits um, in the road season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, some of them I went to and I didn't even ride. I just helped out with logistics and scheduling. And I think kind of the engineering and racing background really helps with that um, kind of organization. And it's good to have someone on race day who's in charge of making sure everybody is where they need to be that doesn't also have to worry about racing. So I've enjoyed feeling that, that on a collegiate team. The struggle <laughs> yeah. is real. <laughs> yeah, especially a collegiate team that doesn't have any school support. <laughs> yep. It's it's just us out there. One other thing I would point to that that maybe Ellie could speak to is in her academic program, the, the the research opportunities she's gotten and the internship opportunities she's gotten, I think in applying for those or or in you know reaching out for those, they've they've taken into account and really like valued her experience in bike racing and then and they've looked at that and they've seen that as oh here you know you've demonstrated that you're able to to you know to to commit to a program and work independently and generate results and and. I mean, if you want to, if you want to espouse on that a little bit, because that, I think that it, it was it was surprising the extent to which people saw value in that when she was looking at uh, when she was looking at internships and at, at research opportunities. So when I was applying for my current job, um, so I work as a as an engineer for kind of a space company, and we when I was interviewing for that, um, I at the very very very, the tippy tippy bottom of my resume. Uh, I had, I raced cyclocross, you know, these years, UCI racer, you know, and they got to that in my interview. Um, and I started talking about it, talking about going over to Europe, talking about kind of the responsibility that's placed on you and the discipline you have to have to train. And I think that's the main reason I got the job for that position, because when I was talking to the person that hired me actually just a couple of weeks ago uh, at the company. He walked straight up to me uh, across a room of people and was like, Hey, how's the, how's the biking going? How's the mountain biking around here? Do you enjoy it? So I think it's something that people definitely remember and that can be kind of, you know, overlooked from the outside perspective, but at least for these hiring managers, I think they saw kind of junior athlete as someone who has discipline and organization and who's going to be trustworthy. Greg, how has your cycling changed since Ellie started college? Lonelier. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I ride a lot with my friends and stuff. So like we get around and do a bunch of things. So, uh, you know, we have a good time. It's uh, I, I actually, after Ellie went off to college, I got a coach for the first time during the, you know, during the pandemic. So I had never like even tried coaching. And I figured, I figured if you want, if you want to, if you're thinking about a coach, I think the first thing you need to, to, to decide for yourself is whether you're actually going to be coachable in that, are you willing to sit back and let someone else take the reins and tell you what to do, you know, tell you, you need to do this and this and this. And then you just kind of like turn off your thinking brain and just do this and this and this, like they told you to, you know, and sort of listen, you know, listen to that and be receptive and and kind of be able to do, you know, what you're, you know, be able to work with someone like that. And so I thought I'd give it a shot. And, and so I was, I kind of spent the last couple of years adapting to that, but I think it's been really helpful and interesting and I've learned a lot and I've built a lot of strength. 
my coach, who was actually Ellie's first coach, Kelsey, has been really helpful in terms of just making me a, a, a helping me enjoy bikes more and be and be ready for events that I really want to do well in and figuring out actually how to actually periodize you know you know when you want to train figuring out how to actually periodize and build fitness you know so like like you know work hard and recover and work hard and recover and, and get better and better and better rather than just sort of like drift along which is what I did for years and years right so adapting to that's been a big change for me and it's been very helpful and I, you know I'm, I'm hoping to really accomplish some of my longer term goals, like, you know, with regard to the bike packing. And so that's what I try and build toward. Like I'm, I'm going to race cyclocross this fall, but I always race cyclocross just for fun. It's just a huge blow off for me. So typically my goals tend to be, you know, try and do a big hundred mile mountain bike race, you know, in the summer, lumberjack up in Manistee and try and do uh, some hardcore bike packing. And those have been my goals the last couple of years, really. And Lizzie, what about you? How has cycling changed for you since you started college? It honestly hasn't really changed that much. I mean, I thought honestly that when I got to school, I had a lot more people to ride with. I never had to ride alone if I, unless I wanted to. And I think that's pretty cool. Honestly, just being able to go to school with a bunch of people with common interests, you know, I, I mean, I'm also studying engineering, so Ellie gets it. It's time consuming and to have people to go and train with after you're done with your classes is, much needed because honestly you need some sort of way to distance yourself from your academics. Cause you, it's very easy to get completely swallowed up in it and really overwhelmed. And I think it's important to keep a balanced lifestyle through all of that. I mean, what year are you in school, Ellie? Did you graduate I'm be a junior? No, you're going to be a junior. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot like junior years. That's going to be hefty, but I think it's, it's nice that we have bikes to help manage our, stress levels. I think it's important. So can I, can I flip this and ask, and ask Lizzie a question? So going to Marion, one of the, one of the features of Marion is that they have everything and and they've got like cyclocross, mountain bike, BMX, track, road. Has that exposed you to disciplines you haven't raced before? Have you found any, any new sorts of disciplines or any new sorts of things that that you're doing? I did. Or or that you're, or or have you, have they had you try things that you're like, Oh my God, I never want to do this again. Like kind of thing. (laughs) Well, you don't have to really. that yeah. uh, honestly, like it's all accessible, which is nice. The fact that we have a velodrome here is really, really, really cool. That's pretty rare. Yeah. Like that, I think that's a really, really cool feature to uh, Marion that they have that. But I tried Track One Hundred and One in the spring, and I don't. You guys know Giddings, Matt Giddings? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he put on Track One Hundred and One. And it was me and like three other BMX riders going to ride on on fixies. I've never ridden a fixie bike before terrifying terrifying because as soon as you forget that you can't coast (laughs) game over but yeah i tried that and i'm actually thinking about doing track racing next fall so Mm. i kind of like submerged myself in something a bit different and i on i mean maybe i'll enjoy it i guess we'll see but my teammates are actually racing at the velodrome right now so it's cool to just have all of your friends on bikes and to be able to support them in a way that I never really had before because it feels like like my sister always had like high school sports and a big team but I never really had that because cycling it's very individual unless you're on a junior development program or things like that so I think it's great and I'm sure you feel the same way with having the the club team at school because you have other people that have similar interests as you 
that just like yeah. bikes. I think it's a different kind of kind of feel for us because yeah. our our group is the most of our club does not race. So most of our club, you know, just rides around campus and has fun. And I think a lot of what our club does now is actually community service. So we provide free bike repairs for students on Purdue's campus. And it's really needed out here. And, and especially kind of, um, you know, just kids who come to campus who have either never had a bike before or have never had to deal with kind of maintaining a bike. And we are able to fix flat tires. We actually get, so at, at the end of summer, Purdue takes all the bikes that have been kind of abandoned on campus by students who just kind of either graduated and decided to not not take them or um, people who like lost the keys to their locks or something and then just left it for, for years and years. Um, Purdue takes all those bikes and puts them kind of just in, in one spot. And we have an agreement with the transportation department there where we are able to kind of take scrap parts off of the bikes that can't be can't be saved. And we recycle those parts and use them at our repair sessions to kind of help students get back on their way to class. So it's a community service and sustainability initiative for us. And it's it's been really rewarding to help kind of push that forward with the other club officers and I like I like seeing bikes from that side where because my entire childhood it was racing really nice bikes traveling um, kind of having the best of all of that equipment on that side and now you know we were putting like recycled derailleurs onto a $50 Walmart bike just to try and get someone get someone going again and it's nice to see bikes from the perspective of people who just use it as, you know, a way to commute. That's really cool. Yeah. So final question, we always ask this to everybody. What currently gets you guys stoked on bicycles? Dad, you go first. <laughs> Getting lost in the woods. Yeah. Like, like going out. Like it's it's tough to uh it's tough to go out into the mountains of Idaho and then come back and go back into uh my my day to day lab work. But so, so it, it, I'm, you know, I've been back like two weeks. I already want to figure out some other trip and go do that again. Yeah. I think I'm going to go back to what I was talking about and just say the, the Purdue community and kind of helping, helping people, you know, get to know bikes and get back riding and, or get into riding for the first time. I love, I love getting to kind of show people what bikes have to offer and yeah, can't wait to keep doing it. Well, thanks for joining us today. Any last words? Love you, kiddo. Have a good first week of school. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you guys so much for having us. And Lizzie, yeah, no, I will see you in the spring. Yeah. Yes, I'm excited to see you. And I'm <laughs> excited luck. to meet you tomorrow, Greg. Oh, good luck at Cross and Cross. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends about it. Check out our Patreon page for additional bonus content. And... Follow our Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on all the things we are working on. Until next time, just keep rolling.